John chapter 15. Verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Can we say Jesus is the true vine? In the scriptures, the nation of Israel is likened unto a vine, the vine of the Lord. Christ is declaring himself to be the true vine. Israel was not fulfilling the destiny that God had given them to be a light to the nations. They were not bearing fruit in the world. In fact, because of their rebellion, God allowed them to be overtaken by enemies so that they would turn to him for his help. And their relationship with God had been hijacked by man-made religion, putting a spin on everything Moses wrote, and keeping people in bondage had become big business. And so the fruit God desired for them was not happening. And Christ declares himself here to be the true vine. He's not just saying this randomly. He's saying this purposely. But based on where they are, I believe he's pointing to things around them. If you notice, the previous chapter ends with these six words, Arise, let us go from here. So in the previous chapters, they were in the upper room having the Last Supper, and now they're going to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to pray and be arrested and taken away to die for the sins of the world. So on their way, they go out the eastern gate, the Golden Gate it's called, The Golden Gate had cast figures of grapes, I think up to like six feet long, so they were big figures. And they also passed vineyards and grape vines and went through the Kindred Valley up on this big hill called the Mount of Olives. And so surrounded by these things, he declares himself to be the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. In Matthew 21, he told a parable about a vineyard owner that had let out his vineyard to people to take care of it for him. And any time he would send someone to check on them, they would wound them or kill them. And the final time, he sent his son, and they killed him. The Pharisees, Matthew 21 says, they knew he was talking about them because he is that son who came to the vineyard of Israel to inspect how things were going, and they wanted to kill him. He came declaring righteousness and got sinful hatred back. He came speaking the truth and was attacked with lies. So here he declares himself to be the true vine. He's a son of David, and David was promised a son who would reign forever. This is him. This is Jesus. So the destiny of Israel is achieved Through Jesus, the vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, or he cuts it off. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Can we say prune? That it may bear more fruit. You ever prune a rose bush? You can cut that thing off to just inches from its source, and it'll bear more flowers, more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So he's about to declare them to be branches, and there are branches that are going to be pruned. But here he also, I believe, is pointing to them being his fruit, that they're clean through his word. A vineyard 
keeper, a vine dresser, would wash his fruit as it grew to keep fungus from getting on it. If you have a tomatoes in your garden, you check out your fruit, make sure there's no bugs wanting to build a habitation there or something. You keep your fruit clean. And so his word was cleaning them up. We are cleansed, Ephesians says, by the washing of water, by the word. Psalm 119 says, how shall a young man cleanse his way but by heeding your word. His word cleanses us and his word prunes us. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So when someone looks at us, they should see our fruit and they should see the evidence of our root. When you see a great vineyard, you, you say, look at the great grapes or look at the great vines. You don't say, look at the awesome branches. The branches, as long as they're drawing strength from the root, they'll bear fruit. In keeping roses, sometimes there's what's called a sucker branch. It just, it'll grow long and straight, maybe not have many thorns on it, but it won't bear any fruit. It's just a sucker. It's just there to draw life from the root but not bear any fruit. So you cut that sucker off. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can we say nothing? We can't do anything. Not just a little bit. Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So great branches, whether they're clippings from pruning or cutting off for being unfruitful, they're good for nothing but fire. I mean, you don't build furniture out of them or baskets or anything. They're just useless. When I was a boy, tempted to smoke, I was told, well, you can't get cigarettes, but you can smoke grapevine. Good for smoking. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, that verse sometimes you may find in your promise box on the breakfast table, but keep in mind its context. The context is abiding in Jesus Abiding in his word, Jesus abiding in you, and his words abiding in you, and his words washing you. That being the condition for this promise, you can ask what you will, it will be done for you. When the character of Christ and the will of Christ and his word reigns in our life, it impacts the things we desire. It will. David said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of our heart. And I believe that's more than just fulfilling our desires, but actually having an impact on the things we desire. James wrote about unanswered prayer. says some of your prayers are not answered because you're praying according to your own will, that you can, you can fulfill your lusts and not according to the will of God. And so the will of God has an impact, should have an impact on our desires, and it will be done for us. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As a father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So what is his command? It starts out by abiding in his love. 
where it all starts. We love because he first loved us, John wrote later on in one of his letters. So we are commanded, as a father loved me, I have loved you, abide in my love. That's a command, to live in the love of God. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. The Bible says that his commands are not burdensome. So keep in mind, the life of the fruit is in the root. And the root wants us to know that as his branches, we are loved. We're to live there. We're to abide there. We're to build on that. And we're to love each other. And I can love you and you can love me because we are already loved. This is the source of unconditional love. I am to love you unconditionally, not based on your response, because I'm already loved. See that? He gets on later in this chapter. I don't want to get ahead of myself on our being hated. I think he used the word hate like 15 times. How can we live a life of love in a world of hatred? Because we are loved. And we abide in that love. Jesus is the true vine and we are his true branches. How to be a fruitful branch. Number one, abide in Christ. Live in him. He said, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is the shores. It's a resort of little townhouses on the shores of Lake Travis. The first weekend of March of that night, we're not here. We were there. We went to a wedding late Saturday night, and we stayed at the shores for, I think, three or four days. We didn't abide there. We simply visited there. According to Google, this is my house. You know, everybody's concerned about the NSA betraying our privacy. Google's already done it, man. People type in your address, or if your name's in the book, they can type in your name and find directions to your house and a picture of your house. So this is my house. We abide here. We reside here. We live here. We commune here. Our name's on the mortgage. We visited here, but we didn't abide there. This is our This is assembled, in my mind, 
of what Christ is to be to us. We're to abide in Christ. What are you abiding in? Is abiding in Christ a once a month thing or a Sunday morning thing or once a quarter thing or Easter? And is it a, is it a going to church thing or is it a 24-7 relationship from which we draw our identity, our meaning, and our strength from? Brent Curtis wrote that in times of anxiety, he turns to things other than Christ for his comfort for his cynicism and his rebellion. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's sexual titillation. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. He said, I had always thought of those things as just bad habits, but now I see that they were my spiritual abiding places, my comforters and friends in a spiritual way. Christ wants us to turn to him in our despair. Turn to Him in our time of need. He's our hiding place. He wants us to abide in His love. As a Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Can we say abide? Abide in my love. Abiding in His love is not abiding in something like this. This is not a habitation for the child of God abiding in his love. He described many mansions that are ours, a place that he's prepared for us, where streets are paved with gold and walls are lined with jewels and doors are giant pearls. to abide in His love. We're to let His words abide in us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. I love to experience the presence of God while we worship. It's wonderful. But you know, sometimes you don't experience His presence always. We know He's present with us always, but we don't always experience that. This is why it's important that our life is built on His Word and not our experiences. We worship Him in spirit and truth. His Word keeps us balanced. His Word keeps us whole. We must let His words abide in us and abide in His Word. They are the source of fruitfulness in our lives. We need to cut off all our fruit inhibitors. Now I want to pause here for a minute and just say we need to be careful here because Christians have misused the first few verses of John 15 by using it as a basis for cutting people off. Well, I'm going to prune that relationship. You're out of here. It becomes an instrument of division. And I think... The key is to apply this verse to us personally, to respect one another as fellow branches and let the vine dresser, the father, do the pruning. And we yield to him ourselves. See that? What is our fruit inhibitors? There could be some relationships that are fruit inhibitors. 
I'm not telling you to cut people off, but sometimes you back away and make room for Jesus because he's able to bring healing to situations when all we can do is make things worse. Jesus said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Sometimes a fruit inhibitor is having a glorious past season of fruitfulness. And now it's a new day. Maybe you were single, and man, you were on fire for the Lord, and your life was full of fruit. And then you got married, and everything's changed. You've been pruned so that you can be more fruitful. So instead of pining for the past, let's press for the future by abiding in Christ. Not looking who to blame for our lack of fruit, but looking at ourselves. Where am I not abiding in Christ? What am I abiding in other than Him? That's robbing me of fruit. Cut those things off. Deal with that. Number five, be a fruitful branch, we should know that we're chosen. Can we say chosen? Chosen Chosen to be fruitful. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. He wants us to be fruitful always. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such things there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit in us creates those things. Some theologians actually think that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and love is expressed as joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So there's one fruit of the Spirit, and eight manifestations of that of that fruit or nine fruit of the Spirit. However you look at it, it's beside the point. The point is the Spirit generates these things in our life. When there's a lack of them in my life, I'm not living in alignment with the Spirit. I'm not abiding in Christ somewhere. I'm being distracted. And maybe you're distracted because you think you chose to be in the vine, and it's all up to you. But if you look back, over your life, you realize the Lord's the one that chose you. Yeah, you came to a decision time, but who brought you to that time? Who gave you enough sense to make that choice? Him. Why? He chose you to be fruitful. And he wants you to have fruit that remains. And finally, to be a fruitful branch, we need to stay connected to the source. He is the source of our fruitfulness. We are not. In 1927, during the days of silent movies, Cecil B. DeMille produced a movie on the life of Christ called King of Kings. This was the first big-time Hollywood attempt to do something biblical. With that being said, don't waste your money on Noah. I saw it yesterday. Bad deal. Stupid, really. He had monsters building the ark. I mean, jacked the story all up. Anyway, back to this. Cecil B. DeMille cast a British actor, H.B. Warner, to be Jesus. 
but he didn't want any bad press about H.B. Warner. said, you've got to be like Jesus. And so to make sure he didn't do anything out of the way, he just kept him in seclusion. If they drove anywhere, they put him in the back of the car where the windows had blinds on him. Off the set, he was off in a room by himself. Walking around in public, he had to wear a veil. Why? We don't want you to give bad press. So you can't hang out with people, can't go to movies or ball games. And for the next five years, I have to approve of other movies that you star in. because This movie is too important for you to foul it up, Mr. Warner. So here's Warner, the man playing Jesus in private, depressed. He resorts to alcoholism, getting drunk every day to survive. That's not Christ-likeness. That's legalism. It's not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. From Christ in us, he produces a fruit. Isn't that good? Stay connected to the source. of the vine just as this cord is an extension cord this cord is useless unless what unless it's plugged in so I need to plug it in right okay it's plugged in this is us many times this is dead works religion us attempting to generate something on our own. This is lifeless, powerless, fruitless. This is us without Christ. I have good news for you today. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to live a life for him based on that and nothing else. The electricity is already here. It's yours to tap in. It's already there. Tap into it. The love of God for you is already there. Like gravity, his love is a constant. His desire is for you and I abide in it, to tap in it. And don't be talking about the day I plugged into Jesus. No, Jesus loves me. It was a no-brainer plugging into him. So to be a fruitful branch, we want to abide in Christ. We want to abide in his love. We want to let his words abide in us. 
We want to cut off all fruit inhibitors. We want to know we're chosen to be fruitful. We want to stay connected to the source and to be fruitful. We want to let his love that's in us find its destination in someone else. His love is given to us, not for us to be self-centered, but for us to be other-centered. Not based on their response. That's conditional love. But based on his love, we are his conduits, as it were. This is the key to ministry, letting the love of God find its destination in you first and then through you next. As a father have loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So him loving us as I have loved you, that's first. I have loved you is first. Loving one another is next. So when we love, we're not loving for his approval. We're loving out of his approval, from his approval. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. These things I command you, that you love one another. Lord, we declare and believe that you are the true vine. Thank you for the honor of being your branches. Lord, give us fruit for the benefit of others, for the glory of the vine and the benefit of those you love, Lord. May we be channels of your love for the benefit of others. I pray, Lord, for that one person here that's not sure that you love them because of their imperfections. But, Lord, we know that you love because of your perfections, not because of ours. You love because of your perfections. Help us to receive your perfect love, and may that love cast out all fears. Lord, may your love be such a foundation in our lives, that our faith never falters, that our walk is constant. Should we stumble, may we get up again as soon as we can. In Jesus' name. Say with me, Lord, I receive your love. Lord, I receive your love for me and for others. May that be the condition for my love.